Hello, and welcome to the podcast. In case you haven't been around, a lot is going on in the world. People are hauled up in their homes under the shelter and home orders. And um, there are 401,166 cases of coronavirus confirmed in the United States. There have been a total of 12,936 deaths in the United States, and the worldwide death total is 83,615 deaths. Yikes. With all that being said, it's important to find things to be happy and, and hopeful for. And I urge you all listening to find things to be grateful for. And know that during this time, when we are hauled up in our homes, we are making a difference. So now, as you burn through your Netflix queue, and before you start Tiger King over again, take a deep breath, because you're in luck. Today on the podcast, we happen to have some movie experts who have made it their mission to find some comedies to lighten your mood. Now, without further ado, our experts. First, from Arkham Asylum, a movie expert who needs no introduction. You may recognize his voice from our Uncut Gems episode. Please welcome, after his momentary loss of muscular coordination, the master of disaster, Tony. Hey, John boy. Tony, welcome. How are you feeling, my friend, being uh, holed up in your house? Hey, you know, I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm doing I'm doing well, my friends. Just trying to stay safe, you know. Wait, waiting for the uh, the zombie apocalypse to break out, but I'm all prepared over here. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they're nice, like the vampire. Hopefully they're nice zombies, <laughs> nice slow zombies. That's the important thing. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Next up, ranging from the dark side of the moon, this expert has been walking Central Park, singing after dark. People think he's crazy. Shuffling on his feet, shuffling to the street, asking people, what's the matter with you, boy? Please welcome to the podcast, the King of Sting, Larry. Hello, world. (laughs) Welcome, Larry. Thanks for joining. Thank you. You doing okay? Not too bad. I'm just trying to um, keep the, the COVID... 10 pounds so and turn it into COVID-15. <laughs> That's what we're all doing. That's great. <laughs> well, thanks. I it's not easy. No, it's not. Thanks for joining. I'm sure you have some great comedy picked out for the folks at home. Yeah. All right. Our third expert, raised on Thunder Road and hailing from East Street. This expert knows to keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. His life is nothing like a box of chocolates, and he had us at hello. Please welcome the dancing destroyer, Glenn. Hello, Mr. John. (laughs) Hello, Glenn. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Are you going through all your Netflix queue? Are you burning it up like the rest of the world here? Pretty much, yeah. Starting to watch a few things more than once and um, looking for some new ideas. So Great. Well, thanks. We'll s- thanks. See what the experts here tonight can do. <laughs> yeah, thanks for helping out with uh, giving the world some, some comedy nowadays. Good thing. No problem. 
All right. And finally, you may recognize our last expert as Joe the Policeman on What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama. The pride and joy of Jackson Heights, the Count of Monte Fisto, from parts unknown, please put your hands together for Daryl. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. I'll be in the back later for more money. Just give it to me. <laughs> Hello, everyone. How is everybody doing this evening? We are, we are great. We are really great. And I want to thank you all for joining. I know this was kind of a last-second idea, but... Um, I I know you guys all have great taste in movies, so I figured, you know, as we discussed this more and more, it became like a good idea that we start talking about some comedies. So, um, if you guys are ready, we'll go ahead and get started. Now that we are acquainted with our experts, let's get our picks for our comedies. Uh, Larry... We're going to start with you. Uh, so what what can people watch? I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of really heavy stuff going on in the world. Um, what are what are some movies that maybe would be great for people to watch right now? Well, I know we were talking a little earlier about our great state. And fortunately, our great state has kept uh, both our liquor stores and our dispensaries open. And I think a uh, character in this this following movie I'm gonna talk about is uh, someone that would appreciate that. Spicoli from uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I think, is uh, you know, one of those characters that would really appreciate the uh, the new Illinois law. <laughs> but I think it's just one of those films that uh, you can watch over and over again and enjoy it and. Um, you know, great characters, a lot of young actors that went on to do, you know, bigger things are in that film. So, um, you know, just, just one of those all-time classics, I think, that just about any age group could enjoy. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Daryl, have you ever ordered a pizza to one of your classes? Uh, yes, I have done that. Yes, I've done it several times. <laughs> and uh, I usually... I usually, I, I'm not as spicoli so that I, I, I do ask the teacher's permission, uh, but I have never gotten a no. No one has ever said no to me if I order a pizza for class. It's hard to say no to a pizza, isn't it? <laughs> I've said no to a deep dish pizza, especially in this time. Yeah. Larry, that's a great pick. I think that's a really great pick, and uh, it is a classic. You're right. And one more thing I'll add about that film is what a tremendous soundtrack just you know from jackson brown to uh sammy higar i mean there's just a lot of great songs uh in that film so yeah no i totally i totally agree with you um tony or glenn any any thoughts on fast fast times yeah i'll go just uh once again uh to to mirror what you're saying john that's a great pick uh by larry kind of one of those films that I think, you know, this generation they kind of forgot about, you know, in terms of comedies, um, you know, it's, it's obviously got, you know, one of the most famous scenes in, in movie history with Phoebe Cates, you know, coming out of the uh, the pool and everything like that, but just a tremendous cast, you know, Forrest Whitaker, Judge Reinhold, um, Jennifer Jason Lee, along with um, Sean Penn in the role. So 
a really kind of fun slice of life uh, film. So awesome. Awesome pick, Larry. Yeah, great pick. You know, Sean Penn being goofy as heck. Yeah, you see him in some of his later movies, more drama movies, and you compare him back to Spicoli and uh, it <laughs> shows he <laughs> had some talent there. Very yeah. good movie. Very hey, good pick. You kind of wish that he, like, I, he could have done some more comedies. That would have been, that would have been great. I like that pick, Larry. You got anything else for the folks at home? I do actually have uh, another pick where I got a little bit more detailed. Great. I um, wanted to, you know, discuss it a little bit further. Yeah. Um, and that's in 2011. It's it's a film that when I first saw it, I really liked it. I thought it was funny. It was uh, what I saw at the theater with my wife. And it kind of caught me by surprise, just like The Hangover did. You know, I was going in with just medium expectations and uh, turned out to be a gem. And, you know, I've seen it a few times in, in the years since and watched it about six months ago. And, and for some reason, the movie had a different uh, take to me or for me, I should say, this time around. And, and it was strange. I could actually compare it to my own life when a certain uh, event happened and the movie I'm going to talk about is Bridesmaids mm. <laughs> from 2011 and you may think well Larry you were never a bridesmaid as, you know, as far as we know <laughs> but that that movie is really about those those two friends uh, Annie and Lillian played by Kristen Wiig and uh, Maya Rudolph and it's really about their friendship and really what is happening to their friendship. And I could, for the first time in my life, I realized that I had that same thing happen to me with my best friend of over 40 years about that time where I was going to get married. Hmm. And it was just odd because he wasn't, he was dating somebody, but he wasn't in no hurry to get married, but it was odd because he knew our, our relationship was going to, change forever mm-hmm. and I can just remember one time after we announced we were getting uh, married we were playing basketball somewhere and I just it was it was really weird it was a lot of animosity for some reason just playing you know and just battling on the court and you see the same thing happen in this movie um with these two friends and then there's a you know a third friend that the rose Byrne character the you know the, the the beautiful new friend and how she's kind of pulling her away and how there's animosity that just built up mm. and it was the same kind of feeling i'm sure that they were experienced that i experienced it you know as, as someone in my in my 20s and for the first time like wow you know this movie is just not about the uh, the comedy. I mean, this was some, you know, a pretty good look at that situation that, that happens to almost everybody that we know. You know, you, you grow up with somebody you're really close and then your life changes a little bit and it impacts their life too. So um, I think Bridesmaids to me was um, watching it, you know, probably like the fourth time all the way through. It was a uh, it just came across to me a, a different way. And then, of course, the, you know, the performances uh, in the film, I think, are really strong. And 
you know, I started looking some things up about the film, and I didn't realize that, you know, Kristen Wiig was nominated for Best Screenplay. Um, and I remembered Melissa McCarthy being nominated for Best Supporting Actress, but that was like her breakout role. Yeah. And, you know, she was just so funny and, and, and dynamic, and all those quotes in that movie, and, um, you know, there's just so many out there, but... <laughs> I think that the movie's really kind of grown on me over the years. And like I said, the last time I watched it, I just had a, you know, entirely different um, take on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good pick, Larry. And to kind of echo what you said and we'll kind of open it up to the other, the other guys too. I think it's really great when you have a comedy that can connect to people on a universal level, you know, like, like, yes, you were never a bridesmaid, but you can, well, yeah, like like that I know of, right? Like you said, um, but you can relate to those the feelings that those characters have. I think that's, I think that's, good. I think that's a sign of good writing usually and a good, good performances. So, I like that pick. Um, Tony, do you have uh, thoughts on that? Bridesmaid? Yeah, um, Larry, that's uh, um, once again really kind of not out of left field, but you know. It's interesting how a film like that seems like it would speak more to the female community, you know, not necessarily, you know, a guy, a man of your uh, acumen. Um, but uh, so happy that you were able to, and I didn't even think about that, how the central theme is basically their friendship, you know, and how that may be at stake and how Kristen Wiig reacts to that. You know, um, I think a lot of people just when they hear, especially when you hear a title like that, they think it's just about a bunch. Uh, you know, a bunch of women, you know, getting ready for a wedding and, and the zany, you know, kooky uh, uh, things that it can ensue from something like that. So um, I think that's a, a good observation and also a sign of, like John was saying, great writing where you're able to, you know, see just characters and not sex, basically, um, if, whether yeah. it's a man or a woman, you're, you're seeing beyond that and seeing what the characters are kind of going through. Yeah, I think the writing is probably the strongest part. I mean, the performances are great, but, you know, the fact that Kristen Wiig was nominated for Best Screenplay, it's, you know, I looked at her performance, too, and she's not a very happy person. She's someone that, you know, she's she's had a failing business, broken relationships, um, seeing her best friend, you know, take an entirely different um, path now. Yeah. Starting her own family, and you know, she's, she's depressed. Yeah. And I think Wig is, obviously I don't think she's done anything as good since, but she was terrific. And I'm, a, I mean, she was probably borderline best actress uh, nomination. Mm -hmm. That was, it was quite a performance when you really look at it and she plays, you know, maybe 70, 30 and 70% of it is not funny. It's, you know, she's depressed. She's yeah. angry. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think for the first time I saw some of the undertones of that film, you know, dealing with depression and, you know, someone that has failed to launch. I mean, here she is, she's moving back in with her mother. And um, I don't know, it's just one of those things. It was just one of those times I was just watching a film like, wow, I never really saw it in that light. You know, you just remember all the antics and the, um, you know, the great scene at the at the wedding dress shop and 
or other stuff on the plane with McCarthy, you know, yeah. and her real life husband. That was and Kristen Rigg getting drunk. That was great oh, too. Yeah. I do have to say yeah. though, one thing that always bugged me about that movie, the way Maya Rudolph looked, I, I just couldn't buy that she would marry such a average slub looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It just always rubbed me the wrong way. Well, you know, just it's, and you know, a lot has been already said, you know, a lot of great things have been said about it. Uh, I just kind of like, because I, I, I had seen Melissa McCarthy before when she was on uh, Gilmore Girls and she was hilarious as Sookie. Um, and that, that's, it's, it's, um, it's, it's really funny because there's an interesting side note. The, um, the same people who do, um, uh, Mrs. Maisel, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel comedy show. Um, they worked with um, she, she plays Susie now, the actress's name, uh, and she was married to the guy who was married to Melissa McCarthy. And um, it's it's really interesting uh, that kind of dichotomy because it's like oh we all know each other, but you know obviously Hollywood is a small town. But going back to uh, Bridesmaids, you know, just moved to McCarthy's, you know, just like indelible performance. Um, and you're right. Yeah, Maya Rudolph is, I mean, I know they try to make people look bad, you know, but it's really hard to make Maya Rudolph look unattractive. So, yeah, I had a hard time with that as well. But, you know, maybe that's just, you know, you, 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 I don't know. You love who you love. And uh, Dougie, Dougie was a slub. Uh, but <laughs> you know what can you do? Uh, also, too, is the writing of it, and I, you know, kind of under underrated, and we haven't talked about is John Hamm and how really good he is <laughs> the deadpan humor, uh, and just you know, I think that he kind of deserves a, a, at least an honorable mention for his performances. Just it's just that guy, you know, the boyfriend, you know, who's always like, well. Okay, so uh, just want to mention that as well. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, yeah, he was the F buddy. Yeah, yeah, he's you know he's that guy. You know, <laughs> that's great. Um, Glenn, fi- final thoughts on bridesmaids? Yeah, just um, everybody's kind of given their perspectives. Um, you know, to anybody, I would say who hasn't seen it, you know, it's it's not your chick flick, even though it sounds like it could, could be, you know, by the title or what you might've heard of, um, you know, it, uh, it's definitely very entertaining and, uh, um, recommend, uh, guys and gals, uh, take, take a, take a chance on, on watching the movie and, uh, it'll, I'm sure you won't be disappointed. That's, that's a really good point. Uh, Glenn, that, this is a movie that can appeal to basically any anybody, you know. Like there's there's a level of movie that is kind of a chick flick that can appeal to men, and I think you I think you illustrated that. I think that's great. My pick for kind of like honorable mention uh, was a movie that came out uh, two years ago. I think it's kind of like a, a hidden gem. Uh, and then I was totally surprised uh, when it came out and we saw it was uh, 2016's uh, Office Christmas Party uh, with Jason Bateman. 
<laughs> yes, Daryl. Daryl. Uh, it was a hidden gem, and uh, we all, uh, all the all the gentlemen that are speaking here today, we all saw it on almost a lark, and uh, we all laughed ourselves into uh, hysterical fits. Um, everybody was great in it, from uh, Jason Bateman, who played the deadpan lead as always. This is before Ozark. Uh, to Olivia Munn, uh, to T.J. Miller, uh, to um, Kate McKenna as the, the interminable HR person, uh, and even uh, Jennifer Aniston, who is in it, was was palatable. Uh, you know, she wasn't even she even did her job, which is really nice. So, if you don't know about it, it is an office party uh, for a struggling company. Uh, and it is an office party gone completely awry. Uh, but it is a wonderful uh, film that came out in 2016, so if you are looking for a, a guilty pleasure, a great surprise, I would check this out. <laughs> great. That's, a, that's great. Um, Glenn, do, do you want to talk about Office Christmas Party? Yeah, yeah. I know, <laughs> know uh, Daryl, one of the... One of the times I've heard you laugh out loud the most in that movie was uh, when uh, you know the <laughs> Jesus comes come, comes into the party on a on a white horse. I remember you just bursting out loud. That was when things <laughs> when, the, when the mayhem was, was at its best. Uh, um, funny scenes, uh, funny scene. Yeah, that was just a crazy crazy movie. I think we saw it just before. Uh, Christmas and um, yeah, we 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 talked about that for a good forty five minutes after after the movie and uh, um, yeah, great surprise. <laughs> uh, how about you, Larry? Well, um, yeah, I just remember seeing that in the theater and just you know enjoying just about every scene of that film and seeing a couple times since then on cable. A uh, little Christmas and Easter, so yeah, I would definitely recommend someone checking it out during uh, our downtime here. Fun film. Yeah, it's, it could be. It could come a. It, it could become a holiday tradition. You know, I, I would wager. Uh, Tony, that office Christmas party. Yeah, that one. Uh, I think caught us all off guard. I know me specifically. Just didn't think. You know, didn't have high expectations. I'm not sure why at the time, um, but I think we all went into it, you know, enthusiastic about seeing it and just were so pleasantly surprised um, at the end result. You know, um, like Glenn says, I remember us laughing, Daryl mentioned it too, and how we were just, just sitting there afterwards, just still like giggling and doing lines and stuff like that. So really a nice surprise um, set in Chicago. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure how much was filmed in Chicago, maybe some of the exteriors, but um, just a really, really good, surprisingly crazy, fun movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you guys on it. It's, uh, the scene where the cocaine goes into the fan and it starts snowing cocaine and everybody's on. Pretty great. Uh, really, really illustrates the fact that the party is completely out of control. So it's a, it's a fun one to watch. Um, nice pick, Daryl. Thank you. Thank you um, very much. You got anything else for the folks at home? 
Uh, yeah, for the folks at home, I mentioned kind of like, uh, like I said, a guilty pleasure, uh, which is office Christmas party. And then, you know, I'm a bit of a classicist. So I, I'd like to mention, if you have not seen this, and this a lot of people in this particular generation, because the movie's so old, may not have seen this. And it is technically, to me, uh, Mel Brooks's funniest movie. Uh, it's Blazing Saddles, which is a, a farcical black comedy, which uh, still has legs. It is still hilariously funny now, as much as it was back then. Uh, with Cleavon Little, uh, Gene Wilder, um, Harvey Korman as Hedley Lamar. It is just a <laughs> gag fest. Uh, it is irreverent and abusive, and it is what comedy is supposed to be. <laughs> and it, it bears no one. It makes fun of everything. Yeah, and probably one of the most quotable movies of all, mm. of all time, in, in my opinion. So many quotes that just are uh, just gold, really. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 it looks at uh, his his finest, obviously. Yeah, that's great. Um, Larry, uh, Blazing Saddles. You, I mean, you gotta love it, right? You do. I mean, just all time classic, and just hearing the name Harvey Corman, you know, what a underrated uh, all time uh, uh, comic he was, uh, both physical. Uh, and oratorial, he was just he was fantastic. And Gene Wilder, you know, those guys are going to make every generation laugh. And I think that movie uh, is going to make every generation laugh. It's just one of those, you know, timeless comedy classics. Yeah, I totally agree. Tony, do you have a favorite, a favorite part from Blazing Saddles or a favorite quote? Oh, uh, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> I think one of my one of my favorite scenes, and I know uh, Daryl and I often, you know, trade quotes back and forth. There's so many things I can't really say on on the podcast, but um, there's there's one of my favorite scenes after um, Malin Khan's character Lily von Stupp is hired uh, by Hedley Lamar to seduce the new sheriff and to make him weak because of her feminine wiles. And um, you, you see them meeting up and, and um, you know, there's uh, some, some good jokes uh, kind of in the dark, actually, literally in the dark as uh, she's, she's trying to seduce them and everything like that. But it's the morning after that uh, you see kind of a total shift from her character and um, all of those kind of uh, myths about, you know, black men being, uh, you know, sexual prowess and, and, and gods and things like that come to fruition in this film and, and how Lily's just so hypnotized and mesmerized by him. But there's just one line he says that it's not supposed to make sense, but it's just so funny when he says, when she keeps asking him to, you know, kind of continue and, and keep doing and having sex with her, he basically says, baby, baby, I'm not from Havana. I don't know why that's funny, but it's just, it's just it's hysterical to me. And and why Havana of all places? You know, why, 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 why would he say that? So, it just kind of speaks to the irreverence of that film, kind of like a you know a live action raunchy body cartoon, really. You know, and uh, Mel Brooks pulled it off. You know, um, broke the fourth fourth wall, literally in some scenes. You know, like Daryl mentioned, he made fun of everybody, um, blacks, gays, 
uh, Jews, Nazis, KKK. Don't forget the Methodists. He mentions them too. Yes, yes, everyone. You know, old Western people, racists, just the full gamut. So, just an all-time classic. <laughs> well, well said, uh, Glenn. You wanna you wanna wrap us up on Blazing Saddles? Any thoughts on that one? I just yeah. realized I twice last, Glenn. I'm sorry about that. Oh no problem. Yeah, no, no. That that was yeah, that was definitely Mel Brooks at his best. Um, just uh yeah just uh you know black comedy at 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 its at the max uh like tony said every every uh <laughs> every name for every uh ethnicity was was used in that film more than once um and uh yeah great great movie for uh taken taken taking us from this uh this covid-19 thing that's kind of kept us all at home it would it would be a great uh just hour and a half or two hours of um break breaking free <laughs> and having some laughs bill murray was in back um uh the first one back in his heyday the second one a little bit later um bill murray uh born here in wilmette illinois and um so the first film um, is is what about Bob, uh, which actually um, was filmed on the lake in New Hampshire, where my parents have a um, have had a cabin for the last fifty years. Um, and uh, just for those that don't know, it happens to be the same lake that on Golden Pond was filmed on as well. Um, so. You know, that movie just, um, Bill Murray, you know, crazy, kind of plays a crazy, goofy guy, taunts the heck out of the Richard Dreyfuss character. And it just ends up, it's so funny because Richard Dreyfuss's family all love Bill Murray and Bob uh, is his name in the movie. And uh, just a great film. just to see how how uh, how how, <laughs> how Bob taunts the heck out of the um, the Bill Murray, I mean um, Richard Dreyfuss character, who's a um, who's a psychologist. So um, that's my honorable mention. Yeah, I like that one. You know, it's funny though because they you, you've seen you've seen other people try and make that movie, and sometimes I think it comes off really not fun and mean and this you know what about bob definitely has its moments where you're like ooh, <laughs> you know but uh it it always works and i think that's because of the two the two leads in it but you know i mean how many times have you seen like a kind of movie where you have uh you know like just a like that kind of dynamic between two characters and it you know you, you watch it but it's it's not as good as what about bob so i i think that's i think that's a great point um, Tony, you want to talk about what about Bob? Seen that one? Yeah. Um, wow, Glenn, you you took me back, buddy. It's it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Um, and I think you know, in terms of an honorable mention or kind of a hidden gem, that's a, that's an awesome pick because that's not one you really hear too much when you talk about Bill Murray's you know comedy resume. You know, it's always Ghostbusters or Caddyshack. 
um, or Groundhog Day or something like that, you know, his more famous work, but that's kind of an underappreciated film. So I think based on your recommendation, I probably need to kind of seek it out and uh, check it out yeah, again. for sure. Um, that's, that, yeah, it definitely. You really don't hear it in that same conversation, really. Uh, Larry, you have any thoughts on uh, What About Bob? I do. Um, I know there's been a long time rumor out there that Dreyfus and Murray did not get along at all during the filming of that uh, film. I wonder if that added to the to yeah. the edge that they, they both seem to have at times during during the filming of that. In- interesting. I didn't realize so, that. Yeah, that's a really good yeah, I never heard specifics, but I just heard it was pretty, uh, it, w- it wasn't hidden that they didn't uh, care for one another. Um, but yeah, Bill Murray's outstanding in that, but um, Richard Dreyfuss, that, that is right up there with one of his best performances. Yeah. It, so I, I, would, I would, I would highly recommend it. It. Ta- it takes a really good straight man sometimes, you know, that elevates, that elevates comedy really good. A, a really good straight man will take you a long way. Um, Daryl, what you think? Well, you know, just you just think about it because that that kind of brought me back. I hadn't thought about what about Bob in a long time. Uh, like everyone had said, uh, what really surprised me too was um, how you wouldn't think that Murray could be. I mean, you know, you, you know of his genius and you know of his skill and his ability. But just the fact that, yes, that man can be annoying and how annoying really was he? And then also did Murray put the, uh, you know, the kind of like tension in the scenes with Dreyfus off camera so that he could um, do it on camera, you know, uh, because that's kind of a, kind of a famous trick that James Dean did. He, you know, that's kind of a method trick where you just, you push people if you're not supposed to get be, you know, have a good relationship on, on screen so that it comes off on camera. Uh, so that it comes off on camera. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, if he did it on purpose or whether it was, um, I don't know, you know, it's just, you know, I mean, Murray's just, you know, he's, he's just a gym. So it's kind of hard to, to see him not doing certain things for a certain reason. Yeah, good point. Very good point. Um, Glenn, any final thoughts? I mean, great picks. Really, really good picks. Yeah, no, I uh, just uh, get going going back a ways on that one. To, I think it was ninety one or so, um, and uh, highly recommend it. And um, you know, I, the other film I have. Probably a little bit more famous is uh, is Caddyshack. Tony, I know you had mentioned that as being one of the ones that you typically think of when you think of Bill Murray. Um, so Caddyshack, you know, um, uh, most people have seen it. I I haven't seen it for a while actually, but um, Caddyshack. It's funny. It's sort of a. Uh, it was a movie that um, you know doesn't get great acclaim from the critics per se. It didn't sort of when it came out, I think uh, 
I think Ebert gave it two and a half stars and maybe Siskel three stars. Um, but boy, what a, what a uh, long lasting um, effect it's had on, um, on, 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 on people. I mean, that there's that movie, there's so many quotes from that movie um, along, along what you were, um, what Larry was saying about, Bill Murray not really getting along with Richard Dreyfus. Um, I also understand Bill Murray and Chevy Chase didn't get along that well. Um, in general, started I think from Saturday Night Live, um, and that was actually the only film that uh, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase were in. But um, you know, back back in 1980 when it was done, I was a golfer. Back then in high school, I wasn't very good, but I remember me and a couple of my buddies went and saw that movie, and uh, oh, you know, just uh, <laughs> just 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 a funny, funny, funny scenes. Not a long movie, an hour and forty minutes, I think, and um, you know, Rodney J Dangerfield's hilarious, Chevy Chase with sort of his dry humor, um, Bill Murray crazy acting. Uh, acting like a, a gopher to try and catch the gopher, and and uh, then of course Ted ne Ted Knight playing uh, Judge Sna uh, Smales um, um, of the Bushwood Country Club. So um, lots of good, um, lots of good quotes from that movie. Um, you know, one of them that I think isn't one of the more famous ones that I looked up. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's the one where, um, where, uh, Rodney Dangerfield is, is at a, a function there at the country club. And he says, Oh, this is the worst looking hat I've ever saw. But what, when you buy a hat like this, you, I bet you get a free bowl of soup with it, huh? Oh, it looks on good on you though. <laughs> talking to Ted Knight. It's just one of the many, many times that uh Ted uh that that uh Rodney Dangerfield infuriates Ted Knight in that movie. So um uh I know I'm gonna go back and watch that movie. If you haven't seen it um out there in TV land, I would definitely take a look at it. Um funny for guys, funny for for, for women as two to watch. So um those are nice. my thoughts on that one. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. That's one that's had a lot of staying power too. And you know what? I haven't, I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time. It, it's probably time for me to revisit. Um, what do you, what do you think, Daryl? Oh man. I mean, you know, Caddyshack is a, is a classic among classics uh, for just all of it, you know, um, from, I mean, even though it was, you know, technically Chevy Chase's movie, uh, it's one of his first starring roles. Uh, it, it's funny how much Murray steals or tries to steal as much of the thunder as he can. Uh, and then, you know, Rodney Dangerfield coming in and, uh, uh, you know, it being kind of like the, because, I mean, he was he was a stand-up nightclub comedian and that kind of launched his movie career, at least the beginning of it. Uh, because, you know, from that he did, um, he did uh, Back to School and... Um, uh, Tony, what was the one that he did where Jennifer Jason Lee is in it and his mother-in-law has like, was going to leave him stuff. He's going to leave him her fortune. 
guy. Easy, easy, easy money. money. Joe oh, yeah. Pesci. Yeah. Right, Joe Pesci. Yeah. Easy money. And uh, that was kind of the start of, of uh, uh, Dangerfield's, you know, kind of comic movie career. I mean, you know, it culminated in, like, back to school. But, uh, you know, that was the start of a couple people's careers, which was really wonderful. Yeah, good point. Really good point. Um, Larry, how about Caddyshack? One of my favorites. Uh, so many quotable lines and just great characters. Um, I think people can still relate to you know uppities at the at the country club and then you know the people that are actually working and that whole dynamic and uh yeah it's it's an all-time classic and i think it you know it's something i treasure because i kind of grew up during that era being you know my age seeing these guys first you know and saturday night live performers and then you know going on into films it was like the first one that was like huge yeah yeah i mean so many names you know it's such a big card of really powerful comedic yeah and you know and ted knight you know so another underrated comic who was you know brilliant i married tyler moore for years he's brilliant in this and everything he did uh just just another all-time classic a great great pick yeah really good pick uh tony you want to wrap us up on caddyshack yeah uh just thoughts it's funny that that movie was just on amc the other day i didn't get a chance to watch all of it i came in kind of on the on the middle or toward the end and uh just kind of brought me back to I, i never got a chance to see that movie in the theater it was always you know, um, either on video and or cable. Um, I think that's where it got a lot of its staying power, you know, those films, which is, you know, great when they showcase on forums like that, where you could see them over and over and revisit them. But uh, I just remember that movie kind of being like one of the first of the kind of snobs versus slobs uh, comedies that we would see, uh, or we would come to, to see later years, you know, with, Mary being in meatballs before that, and then Caddyshack, and then Animal House came along, and um, you had Ghostbusters, and you know you kind of saw that trend uh, of that uh, kind of motif, you know, going on. But uh, just great fun, you know. I think it's you know golfers. It's like one of their favorite movies of all time. So um, yeah, yeah, good job, Glenn. Really great comedy. I really like those picks. Bill Murray representing the home the home home team here. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right uh well we uh i mean we talked about some great comedies guys um today um my picks uh especially for my honorable mention i kind of want to go back and revisit a film that has kind of always stayed with me since i saw it uh came out in 2016 kind of an unlikely uh, film, one that uh, you wouldn't expect to be, to me, so funny and, and kind of long-lasting. So um, my film is The Nice Guys uh, with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. And I know what you're saying. These two guys do not strike you as, you know, comedy giants. Um, I think it's, for my for my estimation, it's, I think it's their only possible comedic performance uh, that they've been in uh, in their career. Ryan Gosling, you know, maybe doing some stuff with uh, Mickey Mouse Club and Disney before that, but 
in terms of Russell Crowe, he's not normally known for his, his comedy. So this is an action comedy. Um, for those of you guys don't know, it was set uh, in 1977 in Hollywood, California, Los Angeles. Um, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe's characters that play two private investigators who are doing uh, two separate cases initially and then kind of meet uh, their cases kind of intersect and, and then they start uh, working together. Um, so it's kind of like at first they're like a mismatched pair. Um, um, Ryan Gosling also has a daughter. He's a widower. Um, and that thing kind of runs throughout the film. Um, but uh, the daughter kind of gets involved in their investigation. And um, the thing I like about this film, aside from just being a kind of a pleasant surprise that these guys would be so good from a chemistry perspective um, and then a comedic perspective, uh, was kind of Ryan Gosling's uh, surprise to me how good he is at comedy. Uh, just a great performance from him, um, from his vocal work, his his uh, just the things that he does, the, the physical comedy that he, he fuses, um, um, some great lines. You can tell there was some improvisation that was probably done because it just seems so off kilter. Um, you can tell they had a really, really good time making the movie. Um, and the film has everything it's got. It talks about the gas crisis. It talks about the smog in L.A., uh, it talks about Nixon. It talks about porn. Um, it talks about uh, the killer bees at the time. So kind of a very, very timely, you know, a uh, film uh, that kind of really puts you in that mood. And uh, also, interestingly enough, they they both do their kind of like separate tough guy detective narration during the movie. But it kind of peters off after they get together, which I thought was kind of an interesting choice. So. Uh, this is kind of an under underrated gem to me by Shane Black of the Lethal Weapon um, fame, uh, who wrote and directed this film. So, highly, highly yeah, recommend. Yeah, it is a good uh, one. Ryan Gosling, is there anything he can't do? I don't... Yeah, that's a good question, man. I don't know. He's been in space and he's been in the future. You know, he, he fought with along with Harrison Ford and everything, and. I don't know. And Mary <laughs> Glenn, uh, Mendez, I think he's what do you think of the nice guys. Yeah, definitely a uh, uh, a pleasant surprise. Um, um, sort of, y- you don't expect to laugh. Uh, you know, you might not think of it as much uh, going into it as as a film you're going to laugh at. But yeah, these t- those two guys did a great job. Um, you know, I think, uh, if I remember right, it starts out, um, um, a, a playboy centerfold, um, woman is driving her car and drives right through the boy's house. Like he's dreaming of it and stuff. And there's just, <laughs> it was weird. It was, uh, sort of from there. Uh, yeah. I'm like, okay, all right, this movie, <laughs> let's see what happens. And it was, yeah, it was a great, uh, great, um, interaction with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, I thought throughout the movie, um, as well. Yeah. I, visiting for sure. Um, sorry, Glenn. Didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh no, that's right. I was going to say highly recommend it if, if for anyone who hasn't seen it, and uh, uh, I'll probably take a look at it again myself. Good, great. Okay, Larry, give us the word on the nice guys. Yeah, you know, um, kind of a strange pairing with the two uh, the two leads, but it really worked well. Um. I think they captured the late 70s L.A. vibe pretty good. And um, 
it for being an action comedy, it, it was more jokey. There was a lot of jokes. Uh, there was a lot of funny dialogue that normally with an action comedy, maybe you wouldn't see as much. So I kind of liked that. It was uh, it was funny, and then just some of the facial expressions that the Ryan Gosling character would make. You know, just those blank stares, and you know, he did a he did a really good job. Yeah, the the whole movie works, and I actually didn't know it was written by Shane Black. That makes a lot of sense now. It does have that lethal weapon feel about it, kind of, you know. It does, and this is one too that I think everybody thought for sure there was there was going to be a sequel, and um, it's never happened. Surprisingly, yeah. Well, that's too bad. Um, Daryl, do you want to you want to wrap us up on the nice guys, and then we'll get to Tony's second pick. Sure, sure. Uh, nice guys. Um, uh, Tony and I saw it together, uh, and I, I kind of like knew, you know, like sometimes you know from the trailers where the film's gonna really be great, and uh, just uh, Ryan Gosling and his physical comedy, which was a wonderful kind of welcome surprise, and um, and then you know Russell Crowe, who as we all know normally doesn't do comedy, uh, just his kind of like deadpan straight man kind of thing that he's doing all throughout and uh how he's kind of able to be like this great kind of foil for for gosling's really kind of strange physical uh bumbling and comedy so i mean it's it's a really great pick uh and it's it was a really nice nice surprise for that summer because it was a summer movie great yeah good points very good points okay tony All right, so uh, for my next one, my next recommendation, um, I think this is very timely uh, based on our current, you know, situation around the world um, with this virus and pandemic. And I wanted to kind of go back and pick one that I thought kind of spoke to the youth of us all and, and being escapists and just being carefree and, um, you know, really daring uh, to kind of uh, go out there and do what you want, you know, no matter the cost. And, uh, you know, uh, so I picked uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off from uh, 1986, written and directed by John Hughes. And um, this film, you know, is also, I think, is close to our hearts, I think, for the residents of Chicago. And it speaks to, you know, kind of a love letter to me to Chicago um, how beautiful the city is and how there's so much to do and so much to enjoy. And, you know, just some kids who just want to, you know, take a day off from school and uh, kind of go around and uh, have the best day of their lives. So, and particularly, you know, the friendship, basically Ferris does this for his friend Cameron uh, to kind of get him out of his rut and to, you know, show him uh, that there's more to the world and he doesn't have to be so depressed and his life is not, you know, it's not the end for him. So, just some, just a really, really fun movie. Um, interesting, you know. I was kind of doing some research on the film and and realized that the script that Hughes wrote only took six days to write for him, which is I think is unheard of um, for a screenwriter. Um, there's a there's a cameo in there by Charlie Sheen, 
uh, pre-platoon and pre-tiger blood <laughs> and pre-cocaine and all the other stuff he was doing. Um, yeah, he may have been doing a movie, never know. Um, also, it's interesting, the actors who played Ferris's parents, uh, Cindy Pickett and Lyman Ward, uh, also uh, got together in real life after the film. They ended up marrying in real life and uh, became a couple. Um, another interesting thing was the actors who were kind of up for the part of Ferris Bueller. Uh, this is just a short list. Rob Lowe, John Cusack, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, Michael J. Fox, and Robert Downey Jr. But um, Hughes liked uh, Matthew Broderick's uh, kind of charm and, and whimsy so much, he decided to give him the part. And then lastly, this is kind of surprising to me, this like the real ages of, of the three leads. Uh, Matthew Broderick was 23 at the time when they did the film. Um, Alan Ruck was 29 years old, so almost 30, pushing 30, playing a high schooler. And uh, Mia Sarah was the, was the baby out of the group. She was 18 uh, years old when they filmed, who played Sloan's girlfriend. So, so yeah, just, uh, you know, one of my, when I saw the film, I was just, you know, I, I really felt that kind of ease and that air, you know, that lightness, I think, that, that came with the, the film and just having fun. Um, so something like that, I think, is great for, you know, being when you now that we're all kind of in the stay at home and cooped up in the house to, to nice. see something like okay, that, where so it's just pure escape, escapism. I, I'm going to agree with you that it's a classic, but I'm going to say that I'm, I'm not a huge Matthew Broderick guy. And for some reason, I don't know why that mm. I've never been a huge Matthew Broderick guy. My favorite Matthew Broderick movie is, surprise, The Cable Guy, because Jim Carrey's life, right? <laughs> well, I don't know why. I right, you really play the like straight man Matthew now. Broderick. Right. I think that movie is a classic, but as you're going through that list of people that could have been cast as him, I'm like, oh, that movie would have been better with this or this or this. Uh, I know a lot of people love that movie. I know I'm in the minority here, and it's not that I don't love the movie. I just, something about Matthew, I, I don't know. It's not my guy. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. We all have our thing, man. So, yeah, I, I thought that was interesting also. Just can you imagine that film with, um, you know, Johnny Depp yeah, maybe being in the league crazy. instead of uh, Broadwick? Um, that would have been interesting. Glenn, so. how about your thoughts on uh, Ferris Bueller? Yeah, definitely the Chicago movie, you know, um, without a doubt. Um, God, Jennifer Grey was in it as well, right? She played as um, Ferris's mother. Yeah. Sister, the sister, yes, that's right, yeah, sister. yeah, the sister, sister. yeah, um, yeah, and just right. a, uh, just a, yeah, great, great movie, you know, they go all over the city, and art museum, and, and everywhere, and um, just, uh, just taking, just taking one day off, you know, and, um, and, you know, at the end, they're on the parade, and everything, and um, it's just a, just, just a great movie for Chicago. Right. Um, Daryl, Ferris Bueller. Uh, you know, I kind of, I'm not a huge Matthew Broderick fan either, but I think this, this movie was especially, you know, under Hughes's kind of like tutelage and his love of the city and his love of, um, you know, Chicago and what it really kind of represents. Uh, it's a really, really nice pick. Uh, but I mean, you know what I what I like. No, no, no buts. But 
what I really like is the fact that it shows the best of the city and kind of a certain amount of reverence that kind of just lives here and is uh, very much a part of, of what it means to be a Chicagoan. Yeah, you're right about that. And you do get that grand sense of adventure. And I love that. And I love the idea of, you know, them taking the day off of school. It's just a very adolescent thing. Like everybody was there at one point where you're like, I'm supposed to be in school right now and I'm not. And it's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> so I, I love that. I, lo- I love all that. So um, you're right. You're right in the sense that it really does connect to Chicago in a very special way. And particularly to probably all of us because we were probably all like Ferris at one time, even though, you know, um, even though the movie unfolds the way it does. So, uh, Tony, any your last final thoughts on uh, on your on your pick there? I think it's a great pick. Did we hear from Larry? Oh, thanks. Larry, did yeah. Um, no. Did we hear from Larry? Okay, we heard from Larry. No. Right? Oh, we did not. No, no, we did. No, no, we didn't. Hear from Sorry, Larry. Larry. Go ahead. Oh, just you know, another fabulous Chicago-based film by the late great uh, John Hughes. Um, just like you guys said, it really brings the city into light. It just looks so great in this film. Obviously, the you know capped off by the the parade. But um, no, it's an all-time classic, and I think you just you're drawn to it if you're if you're from this area. I did this kind of the opposite way, so I have an honorable mention, which I believe is a classic. Probably not for everybody, but I believe it's a classic in my book. And then the one that I'm going to be highlighting here is more of a deep cut for people that you know maybe are looking for something to watch. So my honorable mention, again, this is a classic to me, is the, um, the 1985 classic uh, Tim Burton directorial debut of Pee-wee's Big Adventure is to me a classic. <laughs> Definitely not for everybody, but it's a perfect mix, mix of darkness with some comedy um, Pee-wee adventures across the United States to find his lost bike. Um, he gets into all sorts of crazy um, adventures. You know, he it, it has again to me when we we're talking about Blazing Saddles and the quotable uh, aspect. This movie is very quotable to me. It has several standout mom- moments. Tony, I know you love the Mr. T cereal. I love. I know you love the Mr. T cereal. By the way, what cereal I found out. Yeah, I it's do. a real cereal. So. That was a real cereal, right? Yeah, yeah. that's when he had, had his. Uh, I think his uh, comedy. Um, I'm sorry, his cartoon I mean, I show on Saturday mornings. So you know, yeah. I, I probably saw this a few years after it came out, but to me, it was just the funniest thing in the world. Um, Large Marge, you know, the biker gang. There's no basement in the Alamo. Everything just really got, like, it made me laugh. It, this is a movie that, like, I remember just wanting to watch over and over again. So th- that's my honorable mention for um, for 
a comedy if you're looking for uh, to laugh uh, while you're cooped up. Check out Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So, does anyone want to share thoughts on Pee-wee's Big Adventure? I don't know if, I mean, I, I mean, I know I love it. Well, I know I saw um, an interview one time with the late, great Phil Hartman from Saturday Night Live. He, um, he wrote that film along with uh, Paul Rubens. And he said, yeah, he said, he, yeah, that's it, great. he said he thought it was the best thing he had ever done and would ever do. But that's someone that had been a pretty accomplished writer and performer for quite a long time. So, but I just remember, when, yeah, yeah I, I remember when it came out, it was, we hadn't seen a character like that in a long time. Some people said, oh, Jerry Lewis. I'm like, no. No, this is this is not Jerry Lewis. This is a little, somewhere uh, uh, somewhere quite far left of Jerry Lewis. I've mean, never seen anybody like that before. But certainly, I think I think kids today would still get a kick out of it. I think so. I do. I, I think so. I think you're right about that, Larry. And anybody. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think that you know, that's definitely a family film, however subversive, you know, uh, I think just seeing it, you know, you see kind of hidden things throughout, but, you know, uh, that, that film is like one of the, the great comedy road movies, you know, uh, this Pee Wee goes on this quest and um, just so many great things because I always <laughs> wondered how, to, where, where does he get his money from? You know, how does he, he definitely doesn't work. He just rides his bike all day. But somehow he has a house, you know, with all these inventions and um, is able to take a cross-country trip, you know, uh, to try to find this bike um, with yeah, no money. Yeah. So, I mean, he spends all his money at the magic shop, too. It, you know, goes to the amazing Larry and... Uh... There you go. Yeah. With amazing so, Larry. Anyway, yeah, that's... I mean, yeah. um, Daryl, do you, you have any thoughts on uh, well, adventure? just how, um, you know, for, I guess, those people out there who don't know about Pee-wee's Big Adventure, it's always, uh, you know, you should always watch, you should watch the television show and the theater show that he consistently does. Um, you know, uh, the television show, which is great with uh, Lawrence Fishburne as Cowboy Curtis. And, um, you know, obviously the reverence of his comedy and uh, my favorite scene is the, the biker bar and him having to do the dance to tequila, to tequila, tequila. in those years. Yeah. <laughs> and how you wouldn't think of something like that being just hilarious, but just how he just, you know, I mean, Paul Rubin just does this amazing job. Uh, and the character that he invented of Pee Wee Herman is just one for the ages. <laughs> totally, totally agree. Um, Glenn, any any thoughts on Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Yeah, just you know, just that you know, you can take something as simple as someone's love for something. In this case, his love for the bike, 
and just, you know, make a story out of it that's just so wacky and you know he's going across the country looking for his bike and uh just uh yeah great sort of uh almost like in my opinion sort of a seinfeld type thing you know you take take what seems like an everyday subject and you just just draw on it and, and mix it and, and see where it goes <laughs> yeah good point i um some uh, maybe about a month or two back before covid <clears throat> had come through and this is just me talking about this i saw at the chicago theater paul rubens was gonna be there screening um screening peewee's big uh big adventure for like the anniversary and then he was gonna do q a and i was like oh that would be so awesome to go but at the time i couldn't go but i was like oh that's you know it, it, there's a lot of people that love that movie so pretty cool um all right, movie number two. This is my, this is the one I'm recommending. It's more of a deep cut for people who are looking for something to watch. It's uh, from 2013. It's directed by Jason Bateman. It's a movie called Bad Words. And uh, <laughs> it stars Bateman and El Janney. It's a dark adult comedy starring. Jason Bateman as a, uh, an adult man who never graduated the eighth grade. And as a result, he's able to find a loophole to participate in children's spelling bees. So he goes around and outspells these kids. And um, as we're learning, Jason Bateman is a really talented director, um, you know, with Ozark and The Outsider. This movie is Bateman as as at his best as a scumbag you know that kind of scumbag uh quippy character this is like full power doing it really really well um it allows him to use his trademark sense of humor and the cast around him is really good there's the co-lead is this cute adorable kid and the dynamic between the two of them are is just hysterical and in my in my favorite scene, the young boy goes out with Jason Bateman's character because he doesn't have any friends at the spelling bee, and he's talking about all the new things that he's getting to do because his parents aren't around, and one of the things is is drinking like pop, and in the scene the the kid says, uh, and the kid is just like the most innocent you've ever seen, but the kid says, "I love the way soda pop tickles my tongue," and then the Jason Bateman character says. I just call it soda. Otherwise, you're going to get raped. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> it's really, really kind of edgy, like adult, <laughs> funny humor, kind of raunchy. But it's a movie that I don't think a ton of people saw. And when I saw it, I was like, I thought it was hysterical. So it's my pick for people that are hauled up. Uh, check out Bad Words from Jason Bateman. It's a pretty good one. So, um, yeah, does anybody have thoughts on uh, Bad Words? As, as, I mean, I know it's kind of a deep cut. I haven't seen it, John, but uh, definitely sounds, I love Ozark and Jason Bateman, so uh, take your advice and check it out. I'll check it out. 
Yeah, I, I, when this is over, I, I own it. I can bring it to you. Checked out. I also am going to bring you the Game of Thrones. Oh, season. thank you. <laughs> got, I got it on my list for you. So, <laughs> Tony, have, have you seen Have you seen Bad Words? Don't thank him yet. I have, man. It uh, it's been a while though since I've seen it. You know, you don't find that one too often on. On cable, I'm not sure if it's on Netflix, but I think I'm going to seek it out um, this week based on, you know, just your pick and kind of bringing that to the forefront. I, I remember being surprised by it and uh, how funny and, and raunchy, like you said, it was and kind of unexpected from Bateman because I was used to him, you know, being on Arrested Development and everything like that. You know, this is before the uh, Dark Ozark days. So yeah, I mean, if you uh, want to see a Jason really good Bateman pick, swearing a good film at to kind kids, of go back and explore. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. So, um, we may have lost Larry. I think he just texted. But, um, Daryl, are you still? Yeah, there? I am. Uh, All right, Daryl. Do you? Yeah, because I've seen I've seen bad words, and it was kind of funny because how I saw it was that it was just on television, and you know, like always, I used to just keep the television on just to kind of uh, you know have background noise, and it surprised me. Because the premise was so kind of out there that there's an adult male uh, competing in, in children's spelling bees and the reaction of the parents that he's, you know, outspelling these kids because, you know, uh, obviously he's older. And uh, just how he's kind of trying to upend the, the whole, you know, spelling bee thing. Um, and just kind of that whole... The friendship between him and uh, the younger actor is really great. The young Indian kid who's really sweet and nice, and um, and but I, I kind of like you know we mentioned Bateman I guess almost three times today, uh, and you know he may be just he's just so subversive uh, with like you know besides the dark days of Ozark, there's a great cameo he has in uh, a film called uh, Smoking Aces where he plays a character called Ripper Reed, and it's just hysterical. If you've never seen this film, Smoking Aces, just see his little bit in it. You can just put it on YouTube, and it's just, it's standalone, and it's just so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize how much we were mentioning him tonight, but uh, we, we certainly are. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that one's worth watching. Um, bad words so uh, check it out for sure <laughs>